It's just good to see all of you tonight. If you have the Bible, your Bibles, let's go to Matthew chapter 6. As you know, Wednesday nights we've been doing discipleship. And the Sermon on the Mount, we've done chapter 5 already. We started in January and we're in chapter 6 now. And the Sermon on the Mount is what the first thing Jesus taught the disciples. And uh, we have really been, last Wednesday had such a great time and uh, just really been learning that everything Jesus has been speaking on, most of it is matters of the heart. Most of it is the attitude behind it. And tonight, in Matthew chapter 6, verse 16, it says, And when you fast, how many of you know it says right there, not if you fast. It says when you fast. And guess what we're going to be talking on tonight? Fasting. How many of you grew up in church? Okay. How many did not hear messages on fasting? And you grew up in church, but you didn't hear messages on fasting. Me too. Isn't it something that I think one of the reasons our country is where it is is because for many years we think fasting stopped with the apostles. And we have a mindset that fasting is not needed. But, you know, just like we want God to be passionate towards us, how many of you know we need to show God how passionate we are about Him? That we're willing to do without. We're willing to self-sacrifice. We're learning to take control of these appetites and fast whatever it is. And How many know fasting's not easy? If you've been on this 40-day fast and you've given up, some people have given up caffeine. How many know if you've given up caffeine, how many know the first few days you kind of just, you know, it's best just to stay in the woods and not get around people because you're irritated. Some people have stayed, you know, they fasted Coke and uh, some sweets and some a number of things and, and different stuff. And, and uh, how many of you know that, boy, you start realizing how much your body is addicted uh, to those things. Well, how many of you know we're supposed to be addicted to Jesus and the Holy Spirit? And these times of fasting are so special. And Jesus was saying, when you fast, don't make it obvious as the hypocrites do. Once again... Why are you giving? Why are you praying? What is the heart motive behind it? For they try to look, they try to look miserable. I love that in the Living Translation. They try to look miserable. And, and, and uh, disheveled so people will admire them for their fasting. I will tell you the truth. That is the only reward they will ever get. When you fast, comb me hair. Wash your face, then no one will notice you are fasting except your father, who knows what you do in private, and your father, who sees everything, will reward you. And I believe what Jesus has spoken about, and you and I, we've studied it for weeks, months now, the sincerity. Not just doing it to do it, but the sincerity in doing what we do, all for the glory of God. Not not to get... Uh, People looking at us are saying, wow, look at this one or that. But it's God who sees and it's God's that reward. So we want to uh, make sure of that. Moses fasted. Elijah, Ezra, Nehemiah, David, Daniel, Jesus, the apostles, Paul, the early church leaders did in Acts 13, 2, 14, 23, and also 27, 33. In the early years of the church, Martin Luther, John Calvin, John Knox, John Wesley, Jonathan Edwards, Charles Finney, so many of these great men of God and also women of God, they lived lives, fasted lives, 
John Wesley would fast every Wednesday and every Friday, twice a week, and all of his disciples had to fast twice a week. And so we see there's always been a strong history of fasting. Ever since Leviticus, you can see what God said about fasting. But in, the, in these years, we see that, well, you know, we don't have to fast. We think we don't have to fast. But how many of you know that if we want to grow up and hear God, we want to fast? What is a fast? It's being, it's a voluntary abstinence. It's to do without. And you can write down Leviticus 16.31, one of the first times it speaks of fasting. And the Jews would always fast on the Day of Atonement. And this is what they would do in their fasting. They wouldn't eat. They wouldn't drink. They wouldn't bathe. They wouldn't anoint themselves. They wouldn't wear sandals. And uh, they, they, they would not have intimacy between a husband and a wife. And I started thinking, well, that would be easy if they didn't bathe. So anyway, <laughs> you know, that took care of that. You know, there ain't no temptation there. Anyway, you know, they, during fasting, they slept in different tents. <laughs> anyway, you know, they would take these times. Of course, Apostle Paul said, be careful that when you fast, make sure that the husband and the wife's in agreement so you don't fall in temptation. So, you know, you don't want it like this guy I met in Argentina. He was fasting. <laughs> I won't go there. But anyway, uh, he was fasting for a month because they said it helped him become more like Jesus. And he says, uh, you know, not being intimate with his wife made him more compassionate. I said, well, I could, I could kill people if I go that long. You know, I'll take my hat off to you. But anyway, you got to be in agreement, okay? So anyway, we see that they did without these things, and, and uh, it was a form of self-denial. How many of you know the way this system works today, the American system, is that you're taught not to deny anything. If you want it, get it. If it feels good, do it. If you can't afford it, get it on credit. But everything is about, I'm not going to deny myself that. I want it, so I'm going to go get it, even if I have to get in debt over it, even if I have to steal, if I have to lie. The thing about it is, is many times all the focus is upon ourselves. And this is one of the things about fasting is we learn how to bring our bodies. The the Word of God speaks much about self-control. And one thing you hear the government talk about is tolerance. And one of the things the body of Christ needs is to learn self-control and tolerance, to deny ourselves the cravings of the flesh and live more for Him. Now, in the book of Joel, chapter 1, verse 14, it says this, Announce a time of fasting. Just a quick little nugget I want to give you about fasting is that when you're going to go on a fast, you ought to do a proclaimed fast. And you're going to see in a minute that David fasted for people in need, even people who were his enemies. And so if you're going to do a fast, you can say, well, you know, I'm fasting to, uh, get, to break uh, uh, something in my life. I'm fasting for somebody so that they get a job. I'm fasting for so-and-so so that, you know, God will give them a new car or whatever it may be. You're, you're doing a proclaimed fast. You go before God and, Lord, as I get ready to start this fast, like we're on a 40-day fast for this election right now. And as we started it, we just gave it to the Lord and we dedicated this fast. And then uh, Tuesday morning, we'll give it to the Lord as an offering. But it says, announce a time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. Bring the leaders and all the people of the land into the temple of the Lord your God and cry out to him there. 
By fasting, it's a way of waiting on the Lord to truly examine our hearts and confess our sins to the Lord. One of the things we keep going back that if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves. And fasting is a way of humbling ourselves. And we're going to see about David's life in a minute. Of In fasting, I want to see what God sees about me. I want to see myself as God sees me. I want to lay this time aside to get away from certain things, to, to deprive my flesh, to... to, to even see some areas maybe arise that I know I need to deal with and then just go before God about those areas and examine myself. It's so easy today to get busy and get out of being close to God, but fasting, you need to write this down, fasting creates an atmosphere. Fasting creates an atmosphere, just a, a place for you and God and the Holy Spirit to get together and for Him to minister to us and to show us things. And even it's a it, good fasting helps our ears get in tune to hear God's voice. Look with me in the book of Joel, and let's read another portion there. In Joel chapter 2. Joel chapter 2, verse 12. And I'll give you some more scriptures in a minute, but a lot of times, you know, we can say, you know, I just don't hear God speak to me anymore. Or I, I don't know God's voice. Well, I want to encourage you to practice fasting at least once a week. Just spend some time alone with God. Bring your body under subjection. And we're going to read that in a little bit. But in Joel chapter 2 verse 12. Joel chapter 2 verse 12. It says, let the nations. I'm in chapter 3. That is why the Lord says, Turn to me now while there is time. Give me your hearts. Give me your hearts. Come with fasting, weeping, and mourning. Don't tear your clothes in your grief, but tear your, tear your hearts instead. Return to the Lord your God, for He is merciful and compassionate, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. He is eager to relent and not to punish. Who knows? Perhaps he will give you a reprieve, sending you a blessing instead of a curse. How many can say praise God? Sending you a blessing instead of a curse. Perhaps you will be able to offer grain and wine to the Lord your God as before. Blow the ram's heart in Jerusalem. Announce time of fasting. Call the people together for a solemn meeting. It's so important to declare and have a time of fasting and come before God and humble ourselves, to personally humble ourselves before Him. Write this down. Psalms chapter 35, verse 13. Listen to this now. Yet when they... Say that with me. They... Yet when they were ill, I grieved for them. I denied myself by fasting for them. Not only is it enough, not only does the church not participate a lot in fasting today, that's not the, the, what a lot of people want to get into, but how many times do we fast for others? And I tell you what, I, I promise you, when you live a life and you take time to fast for somebody, and you can even tell that person, listen, on such, they're going in an operation. You tell that person who's going in an operation, Brother Buddy, Wednesday, next Wednesday when you go in that operation, thank God you're not going to go in an operation, but this is just an example. I'm, I'm going to fast for you Wednesday as you go through your surgery. And, you know, that's what a number of us here practice but I believe that's something that we really have to get to the point of fasting. I fast for my children. I have fasted for my wife. 
and, uh, you know, fast for members of the church and different ones and other ministries. And, and David said here, I mean, you know, David was a blessed man. And can you imagine you go to somebody or your mom and your dad, maybe they live somewhere, and you say, listen, mom, I'm fasting for your health. Can you imagine the sad? I am denying you. You're saying, I'm denying myself to pray for your breakthrough. I'm giving something up, believing God, that, that, that God is going to move on your behalf because he says in Isaiah 58 that when you fast, your health will speed up and you will have quick recovery. And so I'm fasting for your healing. How many of you know we're fasting for our nation right now? We can fast for one another. And so, you know, you may tell somebody who's in the heat of a battle, somebody who may be going through a divorce or something horrible in their lives, so you can say, well, look, listen, you don't worry about fasting this week. I'm going to fast for you because you need to eat. You need to be in your right mind. You need your energy. So I'm going to fast for you. I'm going to stand in the gap for you. Isn't that brotherly love? And I tell you, I believe that you will get a double-fold recompense by doing that. I'm denying myself for fasting for others um, because it talks about humbling ourselves. And how many know that if we humble ourselves, God won't have to humble us? And in Hebrews, just write these scriptures down. Hebrews 10.31, it says, It is a terrible thing to fall into the hands of the living God. It is a terrible thing to fall in the hands of the living God. Let me give you a few more. 1 Peter 5.6, So humble yourselves under the mighty power of God, and at the right time, He will lift you up in honor. James 4.10, Humble yourselves before the Lord, and He will lift you up in honor. Luke 14, 11, For those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be exalted. When we fast, we're humbling ourselves, but we're also humbling our attitude. One of the things you may want to share with your kids, and I used to have to do this quite a bit, as you could tell. Uh, the kindergartens guessed the answer to that before I did. But I used to have to fast before test. I'm going to fast before test, Lord. I'm just going to right now come before you, and I'm believing I'm going to pass this test. I'm going to, uh, whatever I had to do, I'm going to do it. I fasted for jobs. But also, if you humble yourselves before God, He will exalt you. Lord, I know I have this thing in my life, and while I'm reading these books on how to get delivered from it, I'm going to humble myself and bring my flesh into subjection because if I'm, for example, if men or, or, or women are battling the area of pornography, or drugs, or alcohol, or the battling with pride, or any of those areas. You know, a lot of times uh, we, we'll pray over those areas, but sometimes we just have to fast and spend two or three days saying, Body, I am not going to give in to your desires. You're telling me to eat, but I'm telling you no. I call the shots here. I'm learning to let my spirit be in control. And if we can learn to control some of our fleshly appetites, then we can control some of those other appetites that try to control our mind and control our spirit and our heart. It would keep us out of trouble because it says it's a terrible thing to fall in the hands of of, of a holy God. And one thing about it is that when I humble myself, I'm showing God, Lord, I'm broken here, and I really want to get rid of this. I know this is not right with you. You know, God believes us when we pray, but sometimes, you know, we got to be really convincing. Lord, I'm really serious. I know this is not pleasing to you. I know this is not right before you. You know, the Bible says that one of the hardest things to control is our tongue. If a man or a woman has trouble say, saying bad words, those words slip. And, you know, today we just say, well, you know, everybody slips once in a while. But some people slip more than others. 
And you say, well, you know, I just have this problem with cursing, but you know, my daddy cursed and everybody worked with curses, and I just have this problem. Well, you know, if you can learn to fast and you can control your appetite, you can learn to control your tongue from, from cursing. Or maybe it's gossiping or slander or criticizing. You know, so many times we just, this is the thing, it talks about falling in the hands of a, of a holy and an angry God. Sometimes we just accept the way we are, and God loves me as I am, so hallelujah, this is who I am. But how many of you know, He wants us to grow in the areas of maturity, and He wants us to grow in the areas of holiness. And I found that one of the ways to walk closer to God is living a lifestyle of fasting and prayer, pushing away from the, the, the dinner plate, pushing away from certain things, whether it be TV, whatever it is, just giving those things up to learn to say no to the body. And it's working on renewing of the mind. Going to the cross and putting death to our sin life and self. Listen to this illustration I found in June, in June 1620 when the pilgrims set out from Holland in the first part of their journey, journey. They claimed a day of solemn humiliation with fasting and prayer to be observed by the whole company. Their leader James, James Robertson um, preached to them in a most appropriate text in Ezra 8.21, that I proclaimed a fast there at the river of Av that we might afflict ourselves before our God to seek Him in the right way for us and for our little ones. They fasted for themselves and for their children and for our substance. You can fast for your children. You can fast for your lives. But how many of you know you can fast about your job too? They're laying off at the factory. Did you think about fasting? that you can keep your job, or that God will end up giving you a better job. Amen. You know, we've seen this work in these third world countries where, you know, there is no hope unless God does it. And so sometimes you just got to get serious and you got to fast. I'm, I'm not going to lose my job. I'm not going to lose my house. I'm going to start fasting and pray that God will keep my kids and keep all the things that he's blessed me with, and the devil's not going to steal, kill, and destroy. It goes on to say that during the, the struggles of the new world, they regularly met each crisis and confronted them in the same way by united prayer and fasting. This nation was met in times of crisis with prayer and fasting. On one occasion, the harvest was at a point of becoming totally lost by reason of a devastating drought. But in response to a day of prayer and fasting, God sent rain without a cloud in the sky, thus saving the harvest at the last moment. Later in 1636, they passed a law authorizing the governor of the Plymouth Colony to command solemn days of humiliation by fasting and also for thanksgiving as an occasion to be offered. So it was a part of this nation to live a life of prayer and fasting. Psalms chapter 69 verse 10 says, When I weep and fast, they scoff at me. Now David is talking about in times of persecution. And you know, we'll think about having somebody pray for us. We'll think about praying for our enemies, but how many times when we're going through a persecution at work or maybe somebody's bringing a lawsuit against you or maybe somebody's hit your car and you've been in a wreck and they're, they, they're lying, like I just got in touch with a brother the other day to pray with them in New Orleans. They're lying and they're accusing you of hitting them and they really hit you. When you're going through these times of persecution, David said he humbled himself in prayer and in fasting. How many times when you've been falsely accused or maybe being sued or going through something and, and, and you, you want to get what is coming to you, how many times have we fasted over those things? Amen? Amen? Amen. It's quiet. Boy, y'all looking at me real weird. Well, you just fast over anything. Well, it works. You know, I, I want to hear my prayers get answered. 
And if there is something wrong with me, I need to find out about it. And when you humble yourself and you're crying before God, and you say, Lord, I'm putting you first. I'm like that deer panting for, for you, like he pants for the water. I want you so bad. I want you more than this meal. I want you more than a Thanksgiving meal. I want you more than, than this coffee or whatever it is. Lord, I've got to have I've got to hear from you. I've got to see a breakthrough in this area of my life. When he starts seeing that type of breakthrough, something starts moving on our behalf. Let's say you bring your car to the mechanic. And he's, he told you it's going to cost you $1,200. And you know that it's not right. Well, why not start fasting that the Lord is going to deal with that mechanic who's trying to steal from you? Does this make sense? Yeah. Amen. Go, go read over there in Psalm 69. All these people are coming against him for all these type of reasons. He says, you know what I'm going to do about all this persecution? I'm going to humble myself in prayer and fasting. I'm going to find my true self and the sinfulness and according to your revelations. I want to see you as I see and I want to put to death the deeds of my body with the help of the Holy Spirit that is not pleasing to you. Let me give you this scripture there. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5. Just write this down. Colossians chapter 3 verse 5. So put to death the sinful nature, the earthly things lurking with in you have nothing to do with sexual immorality i don't know how i want to break this well he's telling you you have to put it to death you have to kill it lust what am i do about this lust you start fasting you start praying and you start killing it at the cross evil desires he says kill it verse six says listen to this now because of these sins the anger of God is coming. Because of these sins, the anger of God is coming. And you know, when you read that, this is New Testament, Colossians chapter 3, verse 5 and verse 6. It says, lust, immor uh, immorality, uh, sinful desires, all of these things that come against you. Listen, sometimes there's a battle there. And we're just not going to say, well, you know, one day I'll get free from this. Sometimes we just got to just get on our faces, get in the carpet, and just, oh, in the name of Jesus, I'm coming against every thought. I'm coming against every imagination that's trying to rise against me, that's trying to, to cause me to think that way. I will bring my thoughts back into subjection in Jesus' name. I put to death those thoughts right now, and I replace them with the thoughts of Christ that you said, be holy as you are holy, Father. And without holiness, we will not see God. And sometimes it's, it's just a battle. Listen, I'm talking to a bunch of human beings here tonight. I know you're saved, and I know you, you fly home after church. You've got such great wings, and I know your halo's on straight, and I know you are such a beautiful, wonderful person. We all call you a saint and put you right next to Mother Teresa. But I know better than that because I know myself. Well, I know my wife. <laughs> And I know that we all have things, like it says here, lurking in those dark corners. We all have areas that we have to fight through. But the thing about it is, is that we want to be part of the body of Christ, that we fight it. That we put it to death. And I know that there's a lot of things today where, you know, we just love you just like you are. and We just accept you. A lot of friendly, you know, speaking and all that other stuff. But that's not how the Word of God speaks. 
It says right here, put to death. If I can learn to control my appetite, I can learn to control that, that uh, like, like, you know, one of the things I fasted these 40 days, I've got about six things I'm fasting, but one of the things I'm fasting is I've fasted sweets this whole time. And, and last week I just said, I'm going to show the devil. I'm going to walk in that donut shop and I'm going to buy the staff donuts because, you know, they're not fasting sweets like I am. So, you know, I've got to give them a little room there. I'm going to buy them donuts. You know, those donuts were not even a temptation. Even the chocolate glazed donuts. Even the eclairs. Now, the eclairs a little bit. But that stuff, that was even after as many days as we've been on the fast, that stuff was not even a temptation. Why? Because at the very beginning, when I would pass by and smell it, or we'd go to somebody's house, or we'd go to a restaurant, and they'd bring all these different uh, uh, things, or my wife was making desserts, you know, at first you think, oh, crème brûlée. Oh, that's some good stuff, yeah. Or some of the other stuff, you just start thinking, that's so good. But you know, as you go over time, you go in there, you don't even think about, I want one of those. And after the fast, who knows when you might even eat another sweet or drink another cup of coffee or drink another Coke or something because your body really weans itself off of it. Hello, church. Your body weans yourself off of it. Go on a Daniel fast for 21 days and just eat beans and stuff like that. And after 21 days, you will be surprised how much you don't crave sweets and stuff anymore. And you got more energy. And you feel better. Why? You've detoxified and you've put to death those desires. And just like you wean yourself from donuts, you can wean yourself from lust. You can wean yourself from pornography. You can wean yourself from drugs. You can wean yourself from slits. Budweiser. You can wean yourself from that stuff. Why? Because you're, as you're telling your body no, your body and your inner man is getting used to being told no. And today we don't want to hear no. We want to hear yes. Go ahead. Make yourself at home. Do what you want to do. But David even said, you know what? I'm getting such control of myself that I'm telling my eyes, eyes, you will not even lust. You will not even be permitted to look at another woman and lust. He made a covenant with his eyes that he would not look at any pure thing. Why? Because he had detoxified himself all during that time. He had already got used to being without it, that he doesn't have to have it to exist. Hallelujah, church. And that's what he's talking about here. Put it to death. And it goes on to say in Romans 8.13, For if you live by its dictates, you will die. Here's the second time it speaks of death. But if through the power of the Spirit you put to death the deeds of your sinful nature, you will live. You know what else? You will prosper. You know what else? You will be healthy. You know what else? You will live a long life. You know what else? You won't be losing things. You know what else? God will bless you going in and coming out because you have put to death that sinful nature so that the Spirit of Christ is living and abiding within you. That's what it's talking about here. Listen to this. There was this pastor in North Korea and about 700 Presbyterian pastors and elders met for a week-long annual Bible conference. They were desperate in their prayers because Japan had invaded Korea. This was in 1907. The queen was murdered. The villages were raided. During the prayer meeting, one elder stood up and confessed his sin. Another elder confessed his sin too. 
Pastors confessed jealousy of one another. The church was shaken by the conviction of sins. Every mouth burst out crying, agonizing, confessing, praying, and then praising the Lord. There was a mighty move of the Spirit known as the Pentecost of Korea. How many of you know Korea still has one of the largest churches in the world today? It started with fasting and humbling themselves and confessing their sins one to another. We can't even get people to go to the altar here in America. And these pastors started confessing their sins. Listen to this now. The meeting was extended one week more. Christian schools were closed to join in prayer. The meeting of desperate prayer became the far seed of the Korean revival. The Lord added multitudes to Korean church daily. Christians were united with a new zeal for evangelism. Says the author, now there are around 30,000 churches in Korea. All churches wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning for prayer service. This prayer is the key for the Korean church growth. Also, desperate, earnest prayer is the key for revival and spiritual explosion in all parts of the world. How did it start? It started in prayer and fasting. And write this down, Acts chapter 13, verse 12, because a lot of people say, "Uh, Pastor, I want to know God's will. It says in Acts chapter 13, verse 2, as they ministered to the Lord in prayer and fasting, the Holy Spirit said... If you're looking for some answers, sometimes it will come by prayer and fasting to get the direction of the Holy Spirit. Now, I need to finish up here, but so I won't go to it, but write this down. Write down Luke chapter 6, 12 through 13, and then go back and read this. Luke chapter 6, 12 through 13. There's something very interesting here. How many know Jesus called his 12 apostles? Do you know before he called his 12 apostles, he separated himself for days in prayer and fasting? Then it says the next verse, he went and he started calling uh, Peter and Andrew and John and all the disciples. He just didn't go and start electing them. He had the direction of the Holy Spirit. Can I go a little further about something here? Why not fast and pray if who you think you're going to marry is supposed to be the right one to marry? If the perfect Messiah fasted and prayed over the perfect apostles, why do we just meeny, meeny, money mo and marry whoever we catch by the toe? Why do we just get married like that? Why do we just make the decisions we make without fasting and prayer? Why do we just take a salesman word, which car would be the best car for us, instead of getting the confirmation of the Holy Spirit? on what would be the right car instead of the lemon that we bought. Prayer and fasting. You mean i got to pray over a car? I tell you what, you ought, to pray, you ought to fast and pray over a house. A lot of people are losing their houses. Prayer and fasting. I believe in prayer and fasting over everything. Over everything. Make a, you know, instead of just making a decision, be led by the Spirit of God. Amen. Seek first the kingdom of God. Now, God, is this my flesh wanting this car, or you're leading me here? Is it my flesh wanting this house, or are you leading me here? Is this man or this woman that I want to marry, is it me? Is it my flesh, or is it you, Holy Spirit of God? You know, I believe we'd be, have a lot less divorces if we'd be led by the Spirit. I'm doing a lot, pre- a lot, lot better preaching than y'all doing amen tonight. Amen. Come on, this, this is truth. I know it may not be as exciting as some of the other messages were, but this is still truth, and it's still where we are tonight. 
Fasting and prayer. That got me. Jesus fasted and prayed before he chose his 12 disciples. So we see here dedication is built by time, with time along with God. That I'm denying myself and my devotion to grow stronger with God. How many of you know some people here have been telling me that, that God wakes them up at 2 or 3 in the morning and they can't go back to sleep? Do you know when you don't go to Do you know when you're awoken by the Holy Spirit and you can't go back to sleep? Do you know that time you spend with God is fasting sleep? You're fasting sleep to spend time with God. So next time, don't complain. Just say, Lord, I dedicate this hour or two that you're keeping me up <laughs> as a fast of sleep to be with you and spend time with you. Jonathan Edwards was used mightily in New England at the beginning of the century, and he would fast and pray many times so much that he would just be weak at the pulpit, but God honored his ministry, and many he would fast and pray, give me New England, give me New England, and he would stay in the face of God, and many times they could see the glory of God in his face. What if... These days that we've been fasting in prayer, have we been asking God, give us America? Lord, give us America. Give us souls. Give us revivals in the churches. Stir up the pulpits. Give us a revival in worship and praise. Give us a revival with our children. Give us a revival in our colleges. Oh, even, as, even if they're manifesting in front of the Christian college and, and they're, they're trying to use doctrine and this and that and the other, whatever's going on, Lord, give us our young people. We're not going to let drugs have them. We're not going to have the liberals have them. In the name of Jesus, we claim our country for Jesus Christ. Can you imagine? That if we fast and pray, pray and we cry out to God like that. So we see in Leviticus 16, it says that, that they would show that they were fasting. God is saying it's best not to show whatever you do, do it in private before God. And so we, we must fast not to call attention to ourselves, not to impress others by putting ashes in our head or stuff like that to look holy, but to, to just be with God. It's not what man sees, but it's what God sees in the depth of our self-sacrifice and denial. And he said he will reward it. And one of the things I, I want to share with you, just write down in uh, Luke chapter 2, verse 37, it says about Anna, the widow there, Anna served God with fastings and prayer night and day. And guess who saw Jesus? Anna did. There's just something about when you fast and pray, you're going to get a revelation of Jesus. The purpose of fasting is concentration. Because for one, you're not concentrating on what you're not eating or this and that and the other. Seeing concentration, discipline, self-denial, being sold out, and getting on revival. Frederick Oxford wrote, determination, not desire, determines our destiny. Matthew 7:21, Jesus said, however, this kind does not go out except by prayer and fasting. So that's how you overcome by humility of the the humility of the believer is the true humility that brings the authority. You know, one thing that if we want the authority, this doesn't come out by prayer and fasting. If we want the authority to, to move the hand of God, to see the signs and wonders, to cast out devils, to see God do wonders and things in our midst, it comes by true humility. True humility will be the key to authority. When you need it, when you pray, when you're believing God, when you're decreeing what you're decreeing, when you're asking God to move in the areas you're asking God, there's a, there's a special anointing. There's the times, I'm telling you, in fasting and prayer, just like the witches believe that October 31st, this Friday, is the strongest day to send curses, especially on pastors and churches. On October 31st, 
they will build thrones. They have thrones at the Satanic Church in California, all through the United States. But the thing about it is, is that these Satanist churches have to coordinate the, the time to get, since Satan can't be everywhere at the same time, they've got to give them a few minutes to move around. Aren't you glad that we serve the God we serve? You know, you've got to give old Satan, he's getting old, you've got to give him two minutes to get from California to Nevada. Nevada, so, you know, just give him a few minutes there, you know, so he can get on the throne. And they do like satanic, you know, worship and they sacrifice and do marriages and all this other stuff and everything. But they believe that because the witches fast on October 31st, they believe it's the strongest day of the year for them to send curses on people. They believe that if a curse cannot be put on somebody any time during the year, October 31st is the day that a curse will work. Well, if they believe in the demonic fasting and that that is a powerful day. The Word of God has taught us that if we pray and fast, what has not been able to leave yet will have to leave through prayer and fasting. And we have seen it time and time again. If you've been praying and you've been speaking to the mountain, and you've been decreeing, and you've been standing on something for a long time, and it just doesn't come, it just doesn't come, it just doesn't come, I want to encourage you to do some time of fasting and prayer that what hasn't come through other ways, it'll have to come through prayer and fasting. Finances, whatever it may be, fast and pray over that area. Amen. Let's stand up. Hallelujah. Are you encouraged to fast and pray? I'm just going to start fasting tomorrow. Okay, hallelujah. We got one. Well, that was worth it all. One person going to fast tomorrow. That's worth it all. Hallelujah. How many know you need to fast? Look at your neighbor's gut and tell them you need to. No, no, don't do that. <laughs> hallelujah. Hallelujah. Listen, what I'm telling you, it's true. You know it, don't you? You got something stubborn that don't want to move? Fast and pray. Fast and pray. Fast and pray. Fast and pray. Father, we come before you tonight. And we praise you, Father, that as we have spent these days fasting and praying for our nation and for this election. Lord, even today, I believe something shifted in the atmosphere. Around 5 o'clock. I don't know what it was, but I felt it shift. And I believe something shifted today. I believe something awesome is happening as we are stirring ourselves up. There's a shaking that is going on that we cannot even see, but we sense it in the Spirit. And Lord, I praise You that we, as the body of Christ, we are being woke up to be more sensitive to Your presence, more sensitive about the atmosphere that we live in, more sensitive of how we conduct and live our lives, more sensitive about our attitudes, more sensitive about areas of pride, areas that, Lord, You have commanded us to put to death in our lives and so that we can live and not die. Lord, we come tonight and we humble ourselves voluntarily. Asking You, Holy Spirit, to show us if there's something in our life that we need to deal with and ask you, Holy Spirit, to give us the grace, your strength, to deal with those issues that may be lurking in the dark areas of our heart. We come before you and we sacrifice our lives before you. Neither one of us, I pray that none of us tonight are satisfied with who we are today. 
I pray for such a holy dissatisfaction in this church that I pray that we are so dissatisfied and we are so hungry to change. We want to change so much. We want to be transformed so bad. We want to be renewed so bad. We want a revival so bad that we are willing to pay any price it takes, even staying up and praying all night. Because we want to see a move of God, but we know that we have to move ourselves. We've got to stir ourselves up. We know that you're calling us to a higher calling and a higher walk of the Spirit. I ask you to move upon this body. I pray for a word of grace that your will be done. That your power and your glory manifest. Even as we had that river break loose Sunday night. We desire every time we gather, we want a move, Father. But Lord, we want to move daily. We want to sit your presence daily. We want a fresh fire daily. We want a new drink daily. Lord, you said, Father, fasting breaks the yokes and destroys the burdens. Lifts the burdens and destroys the yokes. I pray, Father, in Jesus' name that you, you will reveal each and every one of us the things we need to fast, the things we need to back away from, and the things we need to break away from so that we can stand fast in the liberty wherewith you have set us free. Help us, Holy Spirit, to live pleasing to you as we surrender ourselves tonight in Jesus' name. Now, if you're you're here tonight and you're going through a struggle, just raise your hands. Just thank God for the precious blood that cleanses and forgives us of all unrighteousness. Thank you for the Holy Spirit that strengthens us to stand fast in the liberty, to stand fast against the flesh, the world, and the devil. Thank God for the power to overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. Thank Him that we were able to stand strong and win and overcome through Jesus. We praise You for the strength to overcome. And we give You the glory and the honor. In Jesus' name. Hallelujah. If you receive that, just give the Lord praise. Thank you for it. Thank you, Lord. Hallelujah. Look at you and say, you got it. You got it. You got it. You got it. And now, as you live a fast life, you get ready that if God puts somebody in your mind, if you see somebody's face, you pray the Lord's not telling you to fast for that person. And let's pray and fast and love one another. And I believe we'll see, we'll see freedom like we've never seen it before. Amen. Hallelujah. I'll bless you. Don't forget ladies mentoring tomorrow night. We bless you. See you Sunday morning, 1030, hug and neck. Tell somebody you love them if you need prayer. We'll be up here to pray and anoint you with oil. God bless you in Jesus' name.